0: Good morning Grace City, it's good, good, to, uh, good to see you this morning, I've met so many new people this morning so if it is your first time, I'm going to repeat what Rich said, you're really welcome, thanks for coming, it's good to, good to see you. My name is Matt, uh, I, I help uh, lead one of the, uh, the midweek life groups with Candice who is somewhere... There she is, over there. Hi. Uh, hello. And uh, I'm also part of the teaching team here at Grace City. Uh, so if you have been with us for a few weeks, you'll know you probably already turn into the Book of Mark uh, in your Bibles if you have one. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. It's going to appear uh, on the screen uh, behind me. Um, so yeah, we've, we've met a lot of different people so far during our time in the Book of Mark. People who are really respectable, people who are the lowest of the low, people who are really healthy, people who are really sick. And this morning we're going to meet someone who is in a... well... Considerable trouble. So uh, let's read from Mark chapter 5 and see what we find. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, "'Send us to the pigs! Let us enter them!' So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea." he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends, tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Okay, so if you've been with us for even just a few weeks, one of the things you'll have noticed about as we're reading through the book of Mark is how we are always building on what has come before. Like what we see one week, we'll build on that the next week. So, you know, in the last, past few weeks we've been looking at the kingdom of God and how, what is the kingdom of God like? And we've seen, oh, the kingdom of God is like a sower who goes out and just scatters seed everywhere and, and some, sometimes the seed lands and grows and sometimes it doesn't. You know, Sometimes the kingdom of God comes and people hear it and go, yes, I want that. And sometimes the kingdom of God lands in people and they go, no, no, I don't, no, thank you, I don't want that at all. Or maybe that you know, and then the next week, uh, what do we see? The kingdom of God comes like a light and shines around and reveals all sorts of things. Or the kingdom of God comes like a mustard seed, very, very small, but then it grows into something really substantial. Or last week we saw Rich saying, you know, the, the kingdom of God is like peace. When the kingdom of God comes, it's like real peace to a real storm, really experiential, actual, real peace. We can see every week, we go, oh, the kingdom of God is like this. Oh, the kingdom of God is also like this. And again and again, until this bigger picture of what the kingdom feels like, but also who this king of this kingdom is. That's what we've been seeing. and. Uh, uh, this morning we see Jesus come to someone who is, an, an encounter with this guy who is oppressed by demons. And this is not the first time that in our time in the book of Mark we've come across this sort of story. And because we're in the book of Mark, it's also not going to be the last time. So we warn you about that now. And so what I want to do is, um, in November last year, okay, Rich did a, uh, a sermon last year on called Jesus versus Demons. And so if, you're, if this is the first time um, that you have come across this sort of thing. Maybe this is your first time in church this morning, and you probably, I know from experience, whenever I speak about this sort of subject, there's just loads and loads of questions. And I'm not going to repeat everything um, Rich said because it was a really good introductory uh, sermon. But if you go to GraceCity.ca and listen to Jesus versus Demons, it's on the media page. It'll give you a nice, it'll catch you up. It won't answer all your questions, but listen to that. Don't listen to that now. That's not, if anyone puts their headphones in, it's not, it's not going to match up with my, with my lips. So uh, do that later. Um, but yeah, if you do have questions like, what is, what is, who is Satan? What are the demons? What, why are they around? Um, I'm always happy to chat after, after the meeting. Come and say hello. I'm ready for you. I'm ready for you. So this story that we've read uh, this morning is about evil. And it is about, it is desperately relevant to you and your life uh, in ottawa today I mean that that sort of statement it might come as a little bit of a, a of a surprise uh, i mean this the man that we see in the story is in a real Extreme state. He's in a lot of of trouble. Um, he's in such an awful spiritual darkness that I don't think we're probably that familiar with. I'd be I, I've never met anyone near this sort of state, and I'd be surprised if anyone in the room had come across someone in such an extreme um, situation. But please don't think, oh, this person—he's in a lot of trouble. Oh, at least Jesus sorted him out, and that's good, and that's nice. But it's got nothing to say to me in my life today in Ottawa in the 21st modern century. No, that is not true. Don't think that for a second. Because what we we see in the book of Mark is nothing less than an expose of how the kingdom of darkness operates. Because Satan, what he was up to 2,000 years ago is what he's up to today. And what he's after 2,000 years ago is just what he's after today. And we get to see with what we've just read in Mark chapter 5 how he works... And actually, I'm gonna, I feel like I want to ask for your attention up front in a way that I don't... If you've heard me speak before, I don't usually say this, but I, oh, I really want your attention this morning because the, the enemy would love to distract you with all sorts of things, right? Work or school or bacon or, or like anything. 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 Some of you, not, that, that didn't help you. Some of you just like, oh, better, yeah. Because the enemy would love for you not to hear how he works and how he gets what he wants to get. With that said, let's, um, let's look at this man. He is in quite a lot of spiritual trouble, isn't he? We see this man is oppressed by lots of demons. Uh, Mark calls them unclean spirits that have somehow attached themselves uh, to this man. And when, when Jesus asks this man, oh, um, the demons, what, what is your name? Collectively, they respond, legion. Right? Now, a Roman legion had thousands of soldiers and so this is a lot of demons and you know what um, if we skip to the end of the story we see how does it end the 2,000 pigs being killed they, they leave the man they go into the pigs 2,000 pigs and so that might actually not be that much of an exaggeration um, on the demon's part I mean this man is in a spiritual mess see if, if someone has a problem in Ottawa we tend to classify it in one of two different ways either it's a, it's a it's a physical problem right there's something wrong with my body In which case, I go to the doctor. So there's a physical problem. Or, it's a psychological problem. Something in my mind isn't reacting, responding in the way that it should, and therefore, uh, I go to the doctor. It might be a different sort of doctor, but I would go to one of those. Physical problems, psychological problems, and the Bible talks about both of those. But well, there's one thing I want to be really uh, clear on, and that's that if this man that we've read about in Mark 5 lived in Ottawa and went and was helped physically, and was, went and was helped psychologically, this person would not be helped. It wouldn't be helped because what the Bible says, you know, there's, yes, there's, a physical, there's, there's physical problems, yes, there's psychological problems, but there's also a third category of problems, and that is the category of spiritual problems, We meet this man who is oppressed, he's tormented by many demons. These unclean spirits that the Bible talks about here acknowledge a spiritual reality about this world, that the evil within this world is personal. There's a personality to this evil. And if you're looking in on Christianity this morning, you're looking in on faith, this is something to think about. You might be here going, "Okay, well, I, you know, we started off by singing songs to God, uh, you know, a, a, an invisible spiritual good, and now what you're saying, Matt, is that I've now got to think about an, an invisible spiritual evil. I, I, I wasn't expecting to have to think about this. Well, you may even say, you know what? I, I don't think I have much experience of this sort of thing. I don't know what what do I make of this.' And if that is you this morning, what what I would say is just... When you take a step back, and when you look at the world, and you look at the evil within the world, and the scale, and the intensity of it, how does that feel? How does that look to you? Does it look like just, oh, random chaos? Or or does it have uh, an intensity and an intent to it? How does it feel? You know, some people just say, oh, the evil in the world is just people, uh, you know, good people, and sometimes they make mistakes. And sometimes, or maybe, you know, there might be a few bad eggs around, but on the whole, uh, it's, it's, no, no, you see, that that does nothing, it doesn't satisfy me at all. In fact, to say something like that, if I I go back in history and I read about genocides and I hear about Holocaust, so I turn on the news and I see chemical attacks and I see attacks on churches, like, uh, the, the idea that, oh, it's just a few people who make mistakes sometimes, it doesn't, that doesn't wrestle. Or grapple with the problem of evil in any real sense. I find that deeply unsatisfying. See, we don't want to be naive, do we, about the the concept of evil in the world? So we must be careful, right? Because if we come to the the, the evil in the world and the issues in our own lives with a materialistic sensibility of, oh, it's only what I can see and touch, that's the only thing, the, the risk is, we risk misdiagnosing the problem. So let's look at this man closer, because as I said at the beginning, okay, I think we can learn a lot about how the kingdom of darkness operates, and not only that, I think we can relate to this man a lot more than we might initially think. I you really alarmed Some of you are like, no, I hope not. I really hope I don't. I don't want to relate to this man in any way at all. He seems like he's a, in a mess. I don't want to be like him Anyway, But let, let's take a look, because I think we might be able to see some things. This man, Mark 5 says, uh, he lived among the tombs. Okay, This man is more comfortable with death than he is with life. This man is more comfortable with death than he is with life. The influence of the kingdom of God has driven him towards death. He's attracted to it. This can show up as sort of compulsive, uh, violent thoughts, just this general fascination uh, with with death. You now I've I've met a lot of people like this. A lot of people who on the surface you wouldn't you wouldn't expect that at all. But you know, I've I know I knew people who are very very British, hello, how do you do? Yes, my you know, and, and on the surface everything's fine and everything's in order and very restrained, but then I get to know these people and they start to articulate what their thought life is like and it's it's surprisingly angry and surprisingly violent. And maybe that's you this morning. He was also crying out, cutting himself with stones. There's something entirely self destructive about the kingdom of darkness. You know, I was, I was 13 when I first realized why a, a friend, a good friend of mine, why she, she would always wear long sleeves. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've got the scars. Maybe you've got the scabs. You, well, Maybe it's not you're literally cutting yourself, but nonetheless you, you look at your life and um, there's something undeniably self-destructive about it. You, you know you're, you're out of control, you're, you're driven uh, in ways that you don't rightly understand. Sometimes you catch a glimpse of who you are and, and what you're like and what you see scares you a little bit. It's just, as I've been doing the last little bit I've noticed there's been quite a lot of nodding in the room I just want to kind of draw attention to the fact that this is not this is not that extreme this is not uh, a far away 2,000 years ago, no this is today for some of us either this is your experience or this has been your, it was your experience or this is just the experience of people you know people who are walking around and living but what they are living is some sort of you know, living death as it were See, what we see here is it's, it's the power of evil. It's power that cannot be understood in just human terms, nor dealt with with just human resources. You can't self-help your way out of this one. See, this is not like God at all, right? God is a God of life. He's not a God of, of death. In fact, the final part, as Rich said earlier, the final part of God's plan is to eliminate death. God, God wants life for you this morning. G- Jesus says this, doesn't he? He draws a very clear line between what the enemy wants and what God wants. He said that, Jesus says, the thief, and that's, that's the Satan, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's what he's about. I came that they may have life. And have life abundantly. Jesus came so that we may have life. In fact, that's why Jesus dies, so that we may have true life. What else? Well, the man is naked. The, the the man's dignity has been stripped away. He's he's humiliated. He's ashamed. See, this is how the kingdom of darkness works. It works. It beats people down. It makes them feel just guilty and exposes them and it humiliates them. That's not the heart of Jesus for you. See, love covers a multitude of, of sins. There's, there's a covering that, Jesus, that God wants to bring. We see this, in, in fact, in the very first pages of the Bible, in Genesis, when, when first Adam and Eve, when mankind rebels against God, what, what is God's response? Is it to go, oh, I'm going to crush you and destroy you and just annihilate No, that's not what God God takes an animal, kills it, and uses it to clothe them. There's a covering that, that God wants to bring. Yeah you know, today today is not the day of judgment, today is the day of salvation. See, actually, it's Satan. Satan's the one who wants to expose you. Satan wants you to live your entire life, sleepless nights, in guilt and shame. That's what he's he wants. But God wants to cover you, he wants to forgive you, he wants to cleanse you. And you're thinking, can he even cleanse me of that? That thing that I did that is just haunting me? Yes. Yes, this is what Jesus does. Jesus is not about exposing and stripping. When you come to Jesus, when you first come to him, he clothes you in his own righteousness. That's why he lays down his life, so that you may be clothed and covered and no longer guilty and living with humiliation. What else about this man? But we also see that this man is is isolated, right? He's far away, he's distant from anyone else. Even the people who want to help him, who are going, I'm going to restrain you, I'm going to... No, it breaks free and goes. There's an unmanageableness about him and an isolation. Now, this, this is a subtle tactic that the enemy uses, but I think it, it's, it's one that is very familiar to any of us who's ever seen uh, like a, a, a nature documentary, right? One of those planet Earth-type things. You know those where yeah, you know, the, the, the scene opens and there's the, oh, the wild plains of the Serengeti. Oh, and then, it, what's that? Oh, it's a lion. And the lion's staring. <laughs> Intently, And then the camera cuts and we see, ah, that's why the lion's staring uh, intently. It's a, it's a herd of zebra. They're all there, majestic. And then the camera pans, pans away from all the zebra to just over here, this one lonely zebra. <laughs> Clueless doesn't know what's going on, but as soon as we see, as soon as we see the zebra, we think, ah, oh, oh no, because we know what's going to happen. Before it even occurs, we know what's going to happen. And sure enough, the lion runs and pounces and the zebra, ah, no, it's too late. There's blood everywhere. There's blood everywhere. The trees, it's just, it's vicious. We know that's going to happen. I just, just realised I'm quite dressed appropriately. <laughs> and now I've also just realised that's not going to make any sense to anyone listening online because they are like has Matt been dressed as in a zebra costume this whole time? yes the bible says that Satan is like a lion and he's prowling around and he's looking for someone to destroy and you know the one who is isolated from church oh, they are prime pickings they are prime for, for picking off you know, out of all the out of all the tactics we've discussed this morning, you know what this one? I think this is the one, the main one that the enemy uses to, to get Christians and to cause some havoc in their lives. I, I honestly believe that. You know, so many times I've heard from people, you know, oh, I just I'll come to church when I feel like it, or you know, I don't want to come to, I don't want to get involved in a, in a church community because I've been hurt too many times before. I just it's hard. And listen, I get that. I honestly do. But seriously, the, the answer is not to withdraw. You know, it feels safer. Oh, I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want people to know who I am. It feels safer, but oh, it's not. It's not. I totally get that. You know, oh, churches hurt me before. Trust me, I, I get it. I get it. We're not perfect here at Grace City. I'm not perfect. I'll let you down. In fact... Yeah, I've got another 10 minutes. There's plenty of time. I can let you down now. That's not even... I'm serious. Like, I, it, it, it will happen, but... There's something we've got to understand about church we, we've all and if you're new to church and maybe this is your first time in a church here's something you need to know about church is that this is not like a social club with a little bit of slightly spiritual sprinkling flavor on on top it's not that all uh, oh, you know life group the midweek groups that we have where we gather together we eat food that's it's not that's not like any other night in your week it's not like volleyball night it's not like poker night it's not like that you know, it's a place where we pray for one another. It's where we have one another's backs and encourage one another and see, how are you doing? And then you say, fine. And you say, no, really, how are you doing? Seriously, you know, this is the, this is the place where we remind one another of the gospel. And I need that. I know I'm at the front with a microphone and a Bible, but I need to hear the gospel from you just as much as Emily or Holly or Joe. Jeff. like I could go around the whole room, but I, again, time constraints can't do that. but we, we all need this. You know it's so easy to get isolated. Because in the modern world, we're apparently you know, more connected to one another by ever before. Oh, you know, we've got phones and texts and email and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook messaging and, 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 and WhatsApp and Snapchat and Slack and Jubler. And and I just made up Jubler. <laughs> and literally none of you blinked on it You're like, yes, well, of course. J- Jubler. It's the hot new app for connecting to people. <laughs> Got 6,000 friends on jubla Exactly 6,000 more in re- than in real life. <laughs> yeah, ostensibly, we are more connected to one another than ever before. Ostensibly, oh yeah, we're more, we're more connected than ever before. No, we're not. We're, we've never been so alive. Seriously, get in a life group. If you're, if you're like, oh, this is, this is how the enemy has been able to do some trouble in my life, get in a life group I don't know, maybe you relate to this guy in the story just a little bit more than you did before see this story is extreme, I'm, I'm so thankful for that because no matter how dark your situation might be this morning, it's probably not as dark as this guy's the, this, the story of this man should, should give you hope because you, you might be even thinking, you know, the fact that I'm in a church this morning is ridiculous. I'm so far away from God, you might be thinking. But even with even this man, with thousands of demons afflicting him and tormenting him, he is still able to run to Jesus and bow the knee. There, there is no darkness within you that can prevent you from running to Jesus. There's no darkness within you that Jesus' light can't shine around. There's no darkness within you that if you were to come to Jesus, he's just going to say, oh, no, no, thank you, No. Nothing stops this man from coming to his saviour. And you know, it's not even a fight. You know, whenever we talk about um, Jesus defeating demons, we can sometimes go, oh, I get a bit freaked out by this idea. And, and think, maybe it's like, okay, we've got God over here and Satan over here. And they're fighting. And go, ah, who's going to win? Oh, I hope it's Jesus. Ah, but we just don't know. No, no. In this story, it's not even a fight. From the moment Jesus steps off the boat, the demons know they're done. They know they're done. In fact, the whole discussion, negotiation is, okay, yeah, we're going to go. Just where are we going to go? Please don't torment us before our time. Like, you, you, know, you know, Jesus against thousands of demons. It's not even a fight. Jesus is clearly going to win. Yeah, and running to Jesus, by the way, that's the right approach. That's the right approach. This isn't a, a stroll by and just see, oh, what's, what's going on here? You know, what, is, this, is this for me? Does it fit with me? No, you may not be in a... You may not even think the place you're at, if you don't know Jesus, you may not even think the place you're at is that dark. But if you don't know Jesus, you need him as much as this man does. And it's simple. Submission to Jesus. bowing the knee. It's all it takes. I refuse to make it any more complicated than that. Jesus can, Jesus will bring you freedom. This is what God wants for your life, and this freedom thing that Jesus does—that he was doing two thousand years ago—is exactly what he's doing this today. This is what he's been doing amongst us in the last few weeks and, and months. You know, I Rich was um, just sent an email by someone, um, someone in the church, and I just thought I'd read out. Um, a couple of, and just in case you're thinking <laughs> if you send Richard an email is it going to appear in one of my sermons? Like, no I knew some of the story and I asked this person can I just share a couple of sentences and the person said yes uh, and this is what it, what it says um, this is what this person writes before I found God I was very alone and almost did things to myself that would have ended my journey with the life that God had created for me so do we see straight away isolation, self-destruction Right, those are the two things. kingdom of darkness is where this person is living. But, I love that word, but mercifully God pulled me back from that dark place and allowed me to see the light again. Through his grace he gave me his strength to overcome this darkness and give me a second chance at life again. And because of that I have decided to follow his way and devote myself to God. Again, I get to praise the Lord, seriously I mean, because I i read this email and I just want to jump up and down because I go, that's my story that's my story, who knows what kind of darkness matter would be in if God had not broken in and shone his light around and give me a second chance, indeed an infinite supply of second chances if if you're a Christian here this morning, this is your story as well that Jesus sets this man free in Mark chapter 5, he's still doing that today yeah. And what's really interesting, I mean, I don't know what your response is. Maybe you're here, you're not someone who says, I know Jesus. You're not someone who follows Jesus. You know, there are, there are a few reactions within this story that I find fascinating. You know, everyone else who sees this, they are freaking out. They beg Jesus, in fact, um, to leave. They say, Jesus, this is, I don't, I don't know what's going on in their mind. I, I wonder if it, one, they are terrified at the miracle they've seen. Like, this is just Jesus, we, we no, please go. This is too much for us. I also wonder if there was a sense of, we just lost 2,000 bigs. Like, we, we've really, like, this is our livelihoods. Like, we, we need you to go. The cost is too great. Jesus is like, I don't care. Like, that, that cost, in a heartbeat to see this person set free. If you uh, and you know what Jesus actually says, okay, I will, I'll go, I'll leave. Right? You, I, I will. You've asked me to leave. I'll go. And this is a kind of a scary thing. That if you if you do reject Jesus, Jesus might go, okay, sure, I will, I will, I will back away. You're hearing the gospel this morning, but you you can still say no, no, I don't want. And Jesus might go, okay, he might get on the boat, and and you know that's 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 you know Jesus doesn't force himself on anyone. Of course, he doesn't. And and the man himself who is saved, he actually assumes, oh, I'm going to go with Jesus, right? This is a pagan land full of people who aren't Jews, you know, hence all the pigs. You know, this is the land full of I'm going to have to get back in the boat and travel with you back over to the, the, the safe Jewish place. That's where, that's how it's going to go. And Jesus says, no. No, no, I've got, I've got something much bigger for you. I, I want you to Tell everyone about what I've done here. I want them to end up marveling at what I've done. You know, and the, and the crazy thing is, this man who was in such a spiritual mess at the beginning of this story, he ends up essentially being a a John the Baptist type character, preparing people, telling people about this coming King to all the non-Jews. And what an amazing purpose that Jesus had for him. And you know what? It's the same purpose Jesus has for us. For those of us who've tasted and seen that God is good, who've, who've who've seen this light come in and shone around and had this light even end up within. You know, this is this is what Jesus has for us to tell other people about this goodness. Just like my you know, friend with the email. This is exactly what we're, we're to do. So that other people might hear and themselves come out from the kingdom of darkness, change address, become a citizen. Of the kingdom of God and be seated in heavenly places. What an amazing purpose Jesus has for us. What a marvelous joy it is to know true freedom, real freedom freedom from shame and guilt and sin and all the things that surround. And oh, what a joy it is to know that, but also to know our Savior. How good! How good. We're going to respond in the best ways we can. One, we're going to stand, we're going to sing. To our Saviour God, who we get to know. Isn't it crazy we get to say, I know this Jesus. I know him. This Jesus in this story, he's here. He's here by his spirit this morning. And we're just going to break bread and take the wine together in a moment. But, yeah, I'll ask the, uh, the band to come and get back, set back up. And, uh, yeah, would you like to stand? And I'm just going to pray. Oh, Father, thank you so much that we get to know this Jesus, that we get to know the freedom that he brings, and we get to uh, honestly be able to say, wow, I know light now. God, I'm just aware that this morning, like, I'm, I'm no better than the man in the story, right? If, if <laughs> left to my own devices, I could be in a very bad, dark situation. God I'm so thankful that you have come and you have shone your light around that that Jesus has come that he has entered as Rich was saying earlier he's entered and we get to welcome him in and we do and we say Jesus we love you we're so thankful for you we're thankful we're thankful for all that you do we thank you that you have utter victory Over demons, God, over the king of darkness, over even my own sin, even the darkest day in my life, God, you have washed me clean of it all. Thank you so much for how good you are. You are amazing, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.